Girlfriends, episode number 302, five things to give up in the new year. Hello and welcome to Girlfriends. I'm Danielle Bean. I'm a wife and a mom and I'm on a mission to help you know your worth as a woman so you can find peace, balance and joy in family living. In this first episode of 2022, we're going to talk about five things you might just want to give up this year. Let's get started. Hey, girlfriend, I am so glad you are here. Thank you for being a part of this first show of the new year. I am so excited to just dive in, get started. How is 2022 for you so far? (laughs) It's kind of hard. We're, We're not very far in. It's kind of hard to judge it just yet. But I thought we would talk about this here today. And before we dive in, I just want to say hello and welcome to anybody who's a first time listener to the Girlfriends podcast. I love that you're here. I love that you're checking this out. And I hope you're going to like what we share here and want to become a regular part of our girlfriends community. And those of you who are back again, or always here, you know, I love you. Thank you so much for being here. Welcome to the show. So talking about things to give up. So this time of year is really a popular thing to do, right? New Year's resolutions. And some people love them and some people hate them. But however you feel about them, I think this is a helpful practice. It's a helpful thing to do at any milestone. Some people like to do it at the start of a new school year. Some people like to do it on their birthday or other anniversary of theirs. Um, But having these checkpoints in our year, I think are really helpful. So it gives us an opportunity to kind of like look at where we are and what our goals are, how we might get there, bad habits we might have picked up along the way, new habits that are good that we might want to acquire, what kind of goals do we want to set. I just think it's really helpful to pause sometimes. And you know what, as cliche as it is, the new year is a great time to do that. So I thought specifically we could focus on five things to give up that might not be on your list of New Year's resolutions, things I just want to just put in your mind, maybe something to think about. And um, so let's just dive right in. This first one is one thing that you might want to consider giving up in the new year is undisciplined phone use. Yeah, I know. You're you're already rolling your eyes because you know this one, right? We all know this one. And yet, do we practice this? Do we discipline ourselves with regard to our use of our phones? I know for me, I'm in a constant cycle of like being very disciplined about it and really limiting how much I allow my phone to be part of my life and how many times I'm picking it up during the day, how much mindless scrolling I'm going to allow myself to do. And I always know that I am happier my relationships are better, my work is better, when my phone is very limited. My access to my phone is limited, my time spent just mindlessly scrolling is very limited. So, you know, knowing that this should be a no brainer to be able to do this. And yet I just I do as a cycle just slip back into these bad habits. And the next thing I know, here I am again, using it way too much or, you know, scrolling through Instagram when I do not need to be there. And it's doing me no good whatsoever. So this might be you. And so I want to encourage you to think about this about when and how you use your phone, ways in which you might be just a little bit more disciplined about it. Whether it's you don't want to be scrolling through your phone at bedtime, I think this is a habit many people have. And it's really bad for you. I mean, just I think biologically, it's just bad for you to have that light entering into your eyes right before bedtime. Never mind about the information you're putting into your mind that is potentially stressful or anxiety producing. Like you don't need that. 
And your, your bedtime routine should be something more relaxing than that and more on the side of improving your health or improving the rest that you're going to get at night. So it might be that kind of a habit. And, you know, start with something small like that. If you don't like where you are with regard to your phone use right now, whatever your issue is, pick one small thing. So like the scrolling before bed is one example. What if your one small thing is the fact that you're just always pulling it out reflexively, like in a store when you're standing in line? Maybe start practicing the habit of leaving your phone in your car when you go into a place, whether it's church or your workplace or I know that might be impossible for some people or visiting a friend. Like even if you're not doing it all the time, maybe make it a practice to do it some of the time and see what that feels like. See how that can break you of the habit of constantly turning to it, always picking it up and looking at it just reflexively out of habit. One helpful tool for this if you're an iPhone user is screen time. And I don't know if this is available on Android. I am positive there are apps out there that can do this for you, though, that keep track of your screen time and when and where and how you are spending time on your phone. It's actually a really helpful thing to go back and look at. I've used screen time on my iPhone for many years. Well, it's probably not many years. It's probably like two years. Whenever it came out was when I started using it. And I really, I really enjoy it because I think it just gives you this objective look and it sends that report once a week or whatever of how you're spending your time on your phone. And it's my opportunity to look at it and say, wow, uh, that many hours on that app or whatever it is, and kind of evaluate, is that how I want to be spending my time? Could I maybe restrict it a little bit? I experimented for a while with the automatic restrictions for social media, for example, but it kind of blew up in my face a little bit because I had restricted how often I could use or how many how many minutes I could spend on Instagram per day. I think it was like 30 minutes or something I limited it to. And I kind of forgot about the fact that I sometimes use like Instagram Live for my work. And I was in the middle of doing an Instagram Live and it just... It, it kicked me off because I had reached my limit for the day, which, you know, is great if you're just scrolling and you get kicked off, but not so great when you're doing a live. But anyway, that's just a little note for you about using screen time. Um, but another way that you might consider restricting your time on your phone without having to have screen time block you out of it is just do this through your own routines. Maybe you're going to have certain times of your day where you put your phone away. This might be great to do at dinner time. a really helpful habit that I had established for a long while and I'm kind of moved away from it now. So this is a good reminder to me to maybe pick it up again was putting my phone away like at dinner time and then not picking it up again, like spending that time deliberately with my kids, with my husband, even if we were just going to, if we we're going to watch a television show together or something, there's no reason why I need my phone right there the whole time. And being deliberate about that is really helpful. And just and having it, like for me anyway, having it set as that time of day is when I'm going to put this away. And when I say put away, like put it in a drawer or in a cabinet and close the door. Like it's really helpful to kind of have it out of sight, out of mind. Or, you know, so maybe it's going to be like a time of day for you or maybe just an area in your home. Maybe you don't want your phone in your bedroom anymore. This is a great thing to consider doing if you just don't go to bed with your phone right there. That will break you of the habit of scrolling right before bedtime. It'll break you of the habit of waking up in the morning and checking notifications first thing, which is not a healthy habit either. If you can do that, I really recommend doing it. And I, I've read studies that show that even like having your phone there is a stressor. It's like even as you're like going to sleep or whatever, the fact that you know it's there, especially if you have addictive behavior with your phone or reflexive kind of impulsive behavior with your phone 
knowing it's there is like this constant source of stimulation to you. And just putting it in another room in another space, charge it downstairs in the kitchen. You know, I but I understand people have different comfort levels with this. We still have a landline. <laughs> so I know people that need to like friends and, and family, close people in my life know how to reach me in the middle of the night if they need to, they can call our landline. But I know not everybody has that. And they're concerned about maybe needing to be contacted in the middle of the night. So maybe you want your phone around for that reason. Some people I've heard really, you know, use it for an, an alarm clock. and But that's a really dumb reason to keep your phone right next to you because you don't need that. You can buy an alarm clock, the old fashioned kind, you know, for like five bucks and you can use that to wake you up in the morning. It does not have to be your phone. I actually made the switch when I got a Fitbit and I, I sleep with it on and I, I actually really like the way that my Fitbit wakes me up because it just wakes me up with a vibration on my wrist. And that's much more pleasant than my phone making a noise. So I made that switch a, a while back and haven't looked back. Don't need that phone right there at nighttime. I think it's a, a really helpful thing to consider. So that's one way you might kind of discipline your phone use a little bit if you decide you don't want it in your bedroom. Or maybe you want to decide, I don't want it in the dining room because that's where I connect with my friends and family. That's where we have our meal times and no phones in the dining room. And you might consider making this rule for your whole family. But undisciplined phone use is one of those things that just really detracts from our enjoyment of life. It detracts from our mental health. And yet, why don't we visit this more often? Um, If you haven't watched it already, um, I really recommend a Netflix documentary. It's called The Social Dilemma, and it interviews people who worked on or, you know, in the past or are currently working on these various social media networks. And they're very honest about the ways in which these are designed to be addictive and they were they're really working with human psychology to make them more and more addictive and not in ways that are going to be helpful to you not for your own benefit but to addict you to their technology and so you know just recognizing the various ways that your phone works in that way even if you're not on social media whatever it is you're doing on your phone or if you're just compulsively checking email and the ways that it does that it's so unhealthy for you. And that so that that documentary was really eye opening for me. And I really recommend you watch it with your teenagers if you have teens, um, or watch it with your your husband, because really makes for great conversation about what kind of influence do we want these things to have in our lives. And it it really puts the modern technology into perspective, like from a long term timeline, the ways in which our means of communication have changed. And our connection to and relationship with devices has changed so dramatically and exponentially over the course of a very short amount of time. So we don't even know all the ways yet that this is compromising to our mental health or our psychology, or just our overall happiness. And, you know, our happiness in our relationships or our effectiveness in our work and the kind of enjoyment we get out of life is all influenced by this. So I I really encourage you to check that out. But Otherwise, even without checking out uh, The Social Dilemma, find a way to incorporate some method of discipline with regard to when and how and where you use your phone. I promise you, you're going to be a happier and more productive person as a result of it. All right. The second thing I want to suggest that you give up, that you consider giving up in the new year is stuff that you don't need. Now, we've done whole shows in the past here at Girlfriends about decluttering. I went through my own Marie Kondo phase not too long ago, about a year and a half ago now. 
really a big fan of Marie Kondo. If you're not familiar with her, um, her book is The Life-Changing Magic of Tidying Up. And it's a bestseller. I'm sure you've heard of it. If you haven't already read it, I really recommend you read it. The, the beginning of a new year is a great time to read that. And it really, it helped for me in an ongoing way to kind of reframe how I look at my stuff. Now, Marie Kondo is not a Catholic, but um, and she brings her own kind of spirituality to it that doesn't really apply to the way I, I handle material things in the world. Uh, but, you know, I can filter that out as I'm reading this and apply my own kind of Catholic perspective and sensibility to letting go of stuff and the relationship we have with stuff. And this is what I really appreciated about Marie Kondo was she understands that there's an emotional element to the stuff that we hold on to, to the clutter that we let pile up and the ways that it affects us, but also the ways in which we're challenged, emotionally speaking, to clean up, to tidy up, to declutter, to get rid of stuff that we don't need that is actually not serving us anymore. And I liked her process where, you know, she would, she had a process of, and, you know, this is kind of like a, a very trendy kind of idea of seeing whether an object sparks joy when you're deciding whether or not to keep it. But whether you do that or not, her, her process was like, if you decide it doesn't spark joy, you can thank the item and let it go. Well, you know, that I'm not going to thank the item if I'm getting rid of an old pair of jeans in my closet. But you can thank God for having access to that thing that is no longer serving you and let it go and allow it to bless somebody else um, or allow it to bless you by opening up space in your closet or in your kitchen or in your living room or wherever you've got clutter piling up. So consider decluttering, getting rid of some stuff that you don't need. Clutter really does affect us. It affects us in psychological ways. We can feel stressed out by our environments. We can feel stressed out by the amount of stuff we have or that we know is in existence in our closets or piling up around our bedrooms in in ways that really is not, it's not serving you. It's not serving your health. It's not serving your emotional well-being. So consider getting rid of some of that stuff, whether it's you have too many books or you have too much clothing. There's this great quotation from St. Basil the Great, which I'm going to read to you here because it, it, you know, it speaks right to this exact thing. He said, when someone steals another's clothes, we call them a thief. Should we not give the same name to one who could clothe the naked and does not? The bread in your cupboard belongs to the hungry. The coat unused in your closet belongs to the one who needs it. The shoes rotting in your closet belong to the one who has no shoes. The money which you hoard up belongs to the poor. Now, that is very convicting because we tend to think of our stuff as our stuff. And we get to decide if it's going to just hang in my closet unused or if I'm going to give it away. And yet it's not our stuff. It's God's, right? All the things we have, everything in the world, every good thing we have comes from God. And he allows us the use of it. And we're meant to be discerning about that and not hoard up these things, whether we're talking about clothing or items in your kitchen or books or food or money, like we're not meant to be hoarding up these things. And the gospel couldn't be more clear about this, that we're meant to be giving of the things that God gives us, good stewards of it in the way that serves the poor, especially people who are who are in need of it. So, you know, reading that and, um, you know, maybe maybe read that passage from St. Basil the Great and then reflect on what's in your closet or open up your closet and take a look. What is in there that you could get rid of? 
you know, um, Jesus himself tells us, you know, in the Gospels, he says, for, for I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. Stranger and you welcomed me. Naked and you clothed me. Ill and you cared for me in prison and you visited me. He's really talking about this giving to others. And that's where we meet Jesus. They are Jesus. He's there. He's meeting us in the people that we can serve through our generosity. So think about things that you are holding on to that you could maybe let go of. What could you give up in this new year? Whether it's clothing that you haven't worn, I think all of us are guilty of this. And it's really helpful to go through your closet Every once in a while, I had a a really great episode. Maybe I'm going to link to that. I'm going to make a little note here. Where I had on as a guest, Megan Ashley from Megan Ashley Styling, who is a Catholic fashionista (laughs) stylist. Um, She actually does this professionally. And she really helped kind of walk through that process of how you go through your closet, why you should consider going through your closet, the ways in which we are attached to clothing that even we haven't worn in five or six years. And why? Why do we feel that way? And, you know, then going through that and and learning to let go of it. And I I found that was a really helpful thing. So I'm going to put the link to that episode in case you didn't hear it. It's been a couple of years now, I think, since she was on. But so you can take a listen to it and and maybe consider what's in your closet that you could give up. But other things too in your home, appliances, what kinds of like small appliances do you have, whether they're in your pantry or in your kitchen cabinets or God forbid, and on your kitchen counter, just cluttering up and taking up space that you never, ever, ever use, and you're holding on to it for some weird reason. Give yourself the gift of the space that it will open up in your life if you give it away or donate it to charity. Um, maybe even dishes, maybe books. I know this is an emotional one for many people. And, you know, maybe someone else is going to be blessed by you giving up that book. And And we all have our favorites. I understand. I'm not telling you to give up all your favorite books, but are there ones that you've never, you know, gone back to or that you're holding on to because you think you should be the kind of person who would read that book and yet you're never going to read it? Give it away to somebody who can benefit from it, who really will read it or be blessed by it. You can donate books to charity or um, you know, someone in your life who you think will appreciate them, but consider really what stuff you have that you could give up. Going into 2022, give yourself the gift of clean open spaces in your home, an organized closet filled with things that you actually wear. That would be a wonderful gift to give to yourself. So consider what stuff you don't need that you could give up in the new year. Okay, so that's number two. Number three, and this is one I'm talking to myself as well as you, give up ignoring your health needs. This is basic stuff. When did you last have a regular checkup with your doctor? Hmm. I know we avoid these things. Um, It really occurred to me uh, not too long ago, right before the new year, that it had been a while since I'd had a checkup. (laughs) And this year, in this year, I'm turning 50. That's kind of a milestone. And I actually hate saying those words. And you know, that's ironic for me to say, because if you go back and listen to the episode that I did, I guess it was right around my birthday this past year, where I was talking about, you know, all the good things that I appreciate, the things that I'm happy about, about growing older. I need to go back and listen to that episode because I'm feeling weird saying that number. Anyway, that's a side note. I'm sure there's a future show there. (laughs) But, you know, having a milestone year, and even if you're still quite young, 
not paying attention to your basic health care is something that's not allowed. You need to take care of yourself. You need to go for regular checkups and get regular screenings. Maybe it's something like going to the dentist or the eye doctor, or maybe you know you need to see a dermatologist about that weird mole on your arm or whatever. Like these are things, and, and this is human nature. We all avoid these things. So just get over it and give up ignoring your own health care. So it might mean making that regular checkup at the doctor and just getting some basic screenings. I was alarmed to find out that I'm I'm now eligible because of my advanced age for, you know, various screenings like colonoscopy and uh, well mammograms I've been getting for years, but uh, I did I I went ahead and I've I've made those appointments and it was a real challenge for me. And so that's what made it really stand out to me. Like, I need to share this on the podcast because I know I'm not alone in avoiding these things. We don't like to think about it. Some of us have considerable anxiety around medical situations and going to the doctor and we're very fearful about our health. But that's not an excuse. Find a way to get yourself there. And you know what? This is a funny thing I'm going to mention. It is that some of us, and I've heard from people who actually say this, avoid going to the doctor because they don't want to get weighed. And as silly as that is, I understand. I don't actually weigh myself on a regular basis, and I'm not too keen on going to the doctor and getting that number stuck in my face. So I'm going to give you this little tip. You don't have to know the number. Maybe your doctor's going to want to weigh you if you're getting like a regular, you know, checkup or whatever. If you are worried about that, if you think that's going to cause you anxiety, first of all, maybe you need to talk to your doctor about, you know, if there's if there's an issue with with your weight and if, you know, you can begin a, a nutrition program or exercise or what you can do in a positive way to address that without having to get worked up and have your emotional well-being or your self-esteem wrapped up in you know, in a number on a scale. But you don't have to know the number. This is funny. This time when I went, the the nurse who, who weighed me before I was going in to see the doctor, the scale came out um, in kilograms. And she asked me, she said, do you want me to convert that into pounds for you? Because I guess they they make all their notes in, in metrics or whatever. And well, I actually said yes, because I, I, I decided to not be afraid. Um, but that was interesting to me. I think they do that because people don't necessarily want to see that number. So you could ask for that option or you can just turn around. I have a friend who does this. When she goes to the doctor, she doesn't face the scale and she asks to not know that number. And as dumb as that is, this is the world we live in. And many women, um, you know, are going to have that number make or break their self-esteem. And it's not actually helpful for you to know that number. Of course, you want to be taking care of your health, including your your weight and making sure that you're staying active and that you're feeding your body nutritious foods and all of that. But that doesn't mean you have to know the number if it's going to throw you off. So I'm just mentioning that, that if that is your stumbling block, if that is why you are avoiding that appointment, and maybe you've never really thought about it that way before, maybe you don't know what's preventing you because you're kind of, that's an anxious part of your brain and you just don't go there and you just avoid it. But, you know, really think through if you're avoiding making regular checkups at the dentist or at the at your regular doctor, then really examine why that would be and know that you are important to your family, to your friends, to your community. You are worth taking care of. And if there's an issue with your health, then you you should know about it sooner rather than later so you can deal with it. 
And I'm saying all of this with love because I understand that this is a significant source of anxiety for many people. But I just want to encourage you to stop ignoring your own health. Stop putting it last. Maybe you make all those appointments for all of your kids and your husband and you're just too tired to do it for yourself at the end of it all. Do it for yourself as a gift to your family. Push through whatever it is that's kind of blocking you, an obstacle to you taking care of your own health and just do that. And and get it done in the in the coming year. You get it done, like get the appointments now. I'll also tell you, every place is really backed up. I went to make an appointment at the end of last year with the eye doctor and it was like, can't get in there for four months. So now's the time, make the call so that it actually will happen in 2022. All right, the fourth thing that I wanna recommend you consider giving up in the new year is negative relationships. So what do I mean by this? I might mean by this, just that person who doesn't even know you exist that you follow on social media and you either love to hate them or they're perfect and you are always comparing yourself to them and they make you feel bad about yourself or whatever. So maybe that's the kind of relationship that's a negative relationship in your life. Maybe it's an actual person in your life, somebody who's a friend, quote unquote, who you always end up gossiping with or somebody whose perspective on life always drags you down, or somebody that you have considerable like interior conflict with, and it causes you stress and anxiety when you spend time with this person, or somebody who's always just complaining to you, or who puts you down in subtle ways and makes you feel less than. Like We all have these negative relationships, and sometimes we can't just give them up because it's somebody you're related to or somebody that you have to deal with at work or whatever. But I want you to consider what are some of these negative relationships that you have in your life, and either you could seek to improve them, like with the gossiping example. If you have a friend where every time you're together or every time you're texting with this person, it turns into a gossip session, then maybe take steps to fix that. And, you know, positive steps toward kind of changing the conversation every time it happens and seeing if that can work. But if that can't work, there are some people that we don't need to be in contact with that are occasions of sin for us. And avoiding them is not a sinful thing to do. We are called to love everybody, but we don't have to hang out with everybody. We don't have to spend time with everybody. And if there's somebody who is a bad influence on you in whatever way, you don't have to have an ongoing relationship with that person. You don't need to let that person into your life. So setting those kinds of boundaries, I think is um, a really helpful thing to consider doing in the new year. There might be people in your life that are, I I heard this phrase uh, not too long ago, and I thought, oh, that's a really interesting way to describe. And I immediately knew what kind of people they were describing, called emotional vampires. (laughs) Now, of course, you know, these are people who in your relationship with them, and this doesn't mean they're like this with everybody, but you might have a relationship with somebody who's just always taking from you emotionally, whatever that means. Like they're, you're their shoulder to cry on. They're always complaining to you. They've always got a crisis They're You're always counseling th- them through something. And, you know, that can be a very good thing for you to do a very good role for you to play in a friendship or in a family relationship. But if that's the only kind of interaction you have with somebody, there's there's something off about that. That's that's not a healthy thing for you. You're going to wind up feeling exhausted, depleted, 
taken advantage of and resentful. So that's not a healthy thing. So if you have somebody who fits that description that you have a relationship with, either take steps to address it if you really value your relationship with this person and, and want to keep this person in your life. I'm not telling you to cancel people, but if that's not a fixable thing, then recognize that, that this is a negative thing for you and that you don't have to do it or you could set up boundaries for it. Like, well, I, I will only communicate with this person, you know, so much. I will only give so much of my time and attention and sympathy to this person who has an endless need for an inexhaustible supply of those things. So recognizing that. Um, and then, you know, if you have negative relationships in, in any other way, people that you feel like take advantage of you, people that you feel like are uh, superficial or fake with you in a way that's that's hurtful, people whose values are very different from your own and perhaps it's a temptation to you when you're around them to compromise your own values. You don't owe everybody being their best friend. You don't owe everybody spending time with them and communicating with them or hanging out with them on on a social level. So recognize that and, and then just begin to set some of those boundaries. What are some negative relationships in your life? Maybe there's just one that's coming to mind as I'm describing these things that you might consider giving up in 2022 and you will be happier, you will be holier as a result of it. All right, the fifth thing that I want you to give up in 2022, at least think about giving up, is saying that you don't have time. And okay, let me be very specific about this. If someone's asking you to you know, volunteer to run the fundraiser at your kid's school, you are definitely allowed to say you don't have time to do that. What I am talking about is more the excuses that we make to ourselves about the things that we say we value, the things that we say our priorities for us and just wind up falling back on that excuse time and again saying, oh, I just don't have the time. Whether it's prayer. I hear this from people all the time. I don't have time to pray the way that I want to. Um, or it's, you know, working out, exercising. You you want that. That's a goal that you have. And yet you find yourself just saying over and over again, I just don't have the time. I just don't have the time for it. Um, or if it's something as important as like spending time, you know, with your parents or with a good friend or working on your marriage, spending time, you know, dating your husband, or if it's something even on a professional level, like a work project that is important to you and you find yourself always saying, I just don't have the time for it. I want you to stop saying that. And um, this is some tough love for you that you do so have the time. If, if you say that you don't have time for some of these basic things that are important or that you say are important to you, take a look at your life and, and find out what you do have time for. Because we, all of us, I'm including myself, we are fantastic time wasters. We will spend time watching television, just doing absolutely nothing on our phones. And, you know, just there's so many easy ways, usually related to technology, that we waste time. And so I don't buy that excuse. I don't have time. If you're saying you don't have time to pray, well, then you really need to examine your life. And that doesn't mean, you know, all of us, and I'm totally understanding if you're a young mom listening to this, if you're a busy professional listening to this, you have many, many obligations and many people and important things that are making demands on your time. I'm not saying you have tons of time. I am saying you do have time. You can find five minutes to devote to prayer. Everybody can do that. 
And it might not be the same five minutes every day, but that's not an excuse for not setting it up that way in the first place. Um, If you're saying you don't have time for exercise, look at what you are spending your time on, or maybe consider a kind of exercise that could be more flexible, that could fit into your day as a mom, or that could be something you you stop and do on your way home from work, or... um, something that you're able to do, you know, in the morning before the kids get up or whatever it is. Find that time in your day as it exists. I think so often we kind of fall back on that and we know, and I get it, we know we're busy. So it feels legitimate to say I don't have time. But make 2022 the year that you make your time, the way that you spend your time, actually line up in accordance with what you say your priorities are and what your values are. Do you make time to pray? Do you make time to take care of yourself physically? Do you make time for your relationships, your most important relationships with your husband, with your kids, with your immediate family? Do you make time for the goals that you say are important to you? So find a way to do that and just stop allowing yourself to make that excuse. And I completely get it. I know you're busy and some days it really is true that we run out of time. I certainly have had days like that. I certainly have had entire seasons like that where it feels like every day I'm breathless. Well, you know, if that is you right now, then maybe you do need to pause and assess your situation because it might be something temporary. You're going through something extra stressful, but maybe it's something that's an ongoing thing for you where you're feeling constantly behind. Maybe it's something that you need to assess. Like, am I trying to do too many things? Am I spending my time on things that are not actually important, not valuable to me instead of these things that are important and are valuable to me? So that's the fifth thing that I want you to consider giving up in the new year, saying that you don't have time. So quick review here, things to give up or consider giving up in 2022. First, undisciplined phone use find a way to do that. Even if it's a very, very limited move you're going to make in that direction, I promise you're going to be happier as a result of it. Number two, give up stuff in your life that you don't need. Physical stuff that is taking up space around you that just doesn't deserve to take up that space. Uh, Number three, give up ignoring your own health. Number four, give up negative relationships, whatever that means for you. Look for a way to improve all of your relationships by maybe letting go of some or setting some boundaries and restrictions on some that are not so good for you. And number five, give up saying you don't have time. Did you set goals for 2022? If so, I would love to hear what they are. If you are giving up something in the new year, if you are taking on something new in the new year, if you have things that you would add to my list, or if you just want to add your own thoughts to what I've shared here today, I would love to hear from you. You can always connect with me through email, danielle at daniellebean.com. Or connect with me on social media. I'm Danielle Bean on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. I would love to connect with you in those places as well. All right, coming up, we've got some more of the show for you, but first a quick break. I'm Danielle Bean, and you're listening to the Girlfriends Podcast. Am I saved? How do I develop a better prayer life? How do I trust in God? The Curious Catholic is a new series of bite-sized books from Ascension that answer these questions and more. The Curious Catholic features small books from various authors that provide busy Catholics ways to go deeper into spiritual questions. The first three titles in the series are from Father Mike Schmitz, host of the Bible in a Year podcast. Father Mike's books explore the topics of salvation, prayer, and trusting in God. To learn more about the Curious Catholic series, go to ascensionpress.com slash curiouscatholic. 
That's ascensionpress.com slash Curious Catholic. Welcome back. This is the point in the show where I like to share a little bit of listener feedback or a listener question. And this time I heard from Monica, who sent me the following question. She said, I would like some ideas on how to manage difficult relationships with your in-laws. For example, if they have different moral values than you, or if they participate in activities that you do not approve of, how can I overcome that and still love them? Thank you, Monica. All right. Thanks, Monica. I appreciate the question. And this actually relates to number four in the first part of the show where I talk about giving up negative relationships. You can't give up your relationship with your in-laws. So this is one that I hear from people about all the time. This is such a tricky thing to navigate. It's hard to figure out how to have these because, you know, your in-laws, you're just intimately connected with them, even if they don't live nearby. Like, you, you're sharing your, your husband. He, that's his immediate family. That's where he comes from. Those are his people. And they are an important part of his life. And he's an important part of theirs. And so figuring out how to make this work when you've got some sources of conflict is something that is very much worth figuring out. So first and foremost, I'm going to say, Monica, that what you need are some real boundaries with regard to your relationship with them. You're saying that they have different moral values, and you don't mention if you have kids or not, but this is something that you need to take seriously if you're raising kids with moral values that are going to be significantly different from what your in-laws have for moral values that you need to be ready to set those kinds of boundaries. Like, you know, and whatever the situation is, whatever it is that you're disapproving of in what they do or something, you know, you can limit how much that is allowed to be in, you know, in your family's faces, for example, or like they don't do it in front of your kids or they don't talk about it in front of your kids or, you know, if your in-laws ever care for your children, you know, being upfront about setting boundaries for the way that you want your kids raised is absolutely legitimate. And you have every right to do that. In fact, you have a responsibility to do that. So setting boundaries, just being upfront and communicating clearly, but with love about these things. And, you know, making sure that you are speaking with them in, in positive ways about these kinds of boundaries that you might need to set. I think it's going to go a long way toward you having a healthy relationship and a positive relationship with them is, you know, a lot of the negativity in these kinds of relationships comes from when people have these kind of underlying resentments or the thing is going unspoken. The source of conflict is just not getting talked about. And that doesn't mean you have to like hash it out with them and discuss, you know, the ways in which their moral decisions are different from your own and why yours are better. And you don't have to do all of that. But just being mature about it and upfront and positive in the way that you communicate these things, saying these are our values. This is the way we're raising our children. We are going to request that you not do this. Or we are going to request that you do this. You know, just I think being very clear and specific about it, but communicating that with love is so vitally important. And just being very respectful of that relationship, though, because this is the second part of what I want to say to you is remember, they gave you your husband. However you think they are mess ups, however you don't agree with their values and their choices and whatever they're doing in their lives right now, they gave you your husband and he is a great gift to you. 
he's the result of that. So I think reminding yourself of that um, can help you to remember to be positive and to be gracious and loving in your relationship with them. And then the third point I want to make, Monica, is as much as possible, you should have your husband communicate these things to him. Of course, communicating it as a couple, as a family, um, but he's the one who has the close relationship with them. And it's it's right. And it is um, very much natural for him to be the one that would maybe have some of these trickier conversations with them, kind of setting up these boundaries and communicating to them about what your expectations are and just how much you love them, but being clear about what you will and will not abide in your home or with your family or with your kids or whatever those specifics are. Um, So yeah, know that I'm going to be praying for you, Monica, and everybody who has difficult relationships with in-laws. Coming off the holidays, the the feelings about in-law relationships might be fresh for many people. And, you know, it's one of those tricky, dicey things. I think especially in an early marriage, it can be hard to navigate those things until you find your kind of comfortable space, your way that you're going to relate with these people in your life that, like it or not, they are with you. They are an important part of your life. They are an important part of your family's life, of your kids' lives, in whatever way you're allowing that communication and connection to take place. And, you know, just figuring that out, it it takes time, it takes space, you might mess it up a couple of times before you get that sweet spot. But I'm going to be praying for you to find that as well as anybody listening who's going through a difficult relationship with in-laws or extended family members in any way. All right, that's all the time we have for today, but I want to thank you for being here. If you want me to consider taking on one of your questions in this segment of the show, you can email me, danielle at daniellebean.com or connect with me on social media, especially Instagram. I love connecting over there. I am Danielle Bean on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. In the meantime, though, I am just so grateful that you are a part of the Girlfriends community. I want to thank you for being part of today's show. I want to wish you all the best in 2022. Looking forward to stepping into this fresh new year together as a girlfriend's community. And until next time, I hope you enjoy your day and God bless your week. Girlfriends is a collaboration between DanielleBean.com and Ascension, the leader in Catholic faith formation. 